are listening to the John DePietro Show on 99.9 FM and 1380 AM. News Talk WNRI. At 106, good afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. Right now, it's 106 on this Monday, and it is the uh, final Monday in January. It's been uh, quite a month of news. This portion of the program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Remember, whether it's lunch, dinner, or drinks in the lounge, they're waiting for you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Now, coming up this hour, coming up this hour, she is attorney for President Trump. We're going to talk to her. She's got a new book out, Christina Bob. She's going to be joining me coming up just about 30 minutes. She was the one you saw quite a bit about her Um as when the raid was was happening, and she also um, she has a, a new book out, but she, you know, was really at the time, uh, really in the center of the of the storm, so to speak. But she has a new book out, "Stealing Your Vote: The Inside Story of the 2020 Election, What It Means" by Christina Bobs, "What It Means for 24." So we're going to talk to her coming up. Uh, that will be at about 1.30. But I want to get up to speed on all the news of the day, starting with, um, well, also just a commentary. The uh, I, I thought that I can't believe how bad the officiating was in that the uh, Kansas City game against Cincinnati. That That is ridiculous. And maybe the guy screwed up a little bit, but I, I was still surprised. I was actually really disappointed that they even called that. Um, that they they called the thing on Mahomes only because normally that late in the game they don't call anything. But I want to touch on this um, situation that has certainly garnered some news regarding Mount Pleasant. Um, I, I I look at this I think a little differently. I think than some people, mostly because of with 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 what's happening. Um, this business of, you know, they're investigating the donations and it was an assistant principal. As we talked about in the first hour, and I've talked about this, this business with the, the coyote, as they call it, that they're trying to raise money because they give you a time frame to make a payment of 5000 to those entering the United States. They need to raise 2000 by February 1st. So... The threat is real. What I don't hear anyone talking about is, all right, so how many people in our area not don't pay? And by not paying, one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to have violence on the other side of the border or you're going to have violence on our side of the border. It's going to be one of the two. And this is, as I had mentioned, I view this as... This is one of the side effects of Allure's are running, Allure's are running a sanctuary city. And also Governor McKee now, that he, in fact, you know, uh, the whole business with the driver's license. The more people like that, that you bring in, the more people that, you know, you say it's okay to come and, and Lieutenant Governor Matos calling them Rhode Islanders, when you do that, you're opening the door for these types of individuals to enter our country, not only our country, but our state. And so how many, that's one example of someone who is out there and an assistant principal says, hey, we got to help this person raise money. But what about, okay, so he's not going to make the deadline. He's not going to be able to raise the money. So so what does that mean? What does that mean for everybody else? Now, tonight, Channel 10 is the story. Candlelight vigil in memory of Tyree Nichols to be held in Providence. How come they don't have candlelight vigils 
for many of the black victims of Providence that are killed by other men of color. How come they never have anything like that? Are their lives less important? They're, they're local. This is in Memphis and they're doing this. All right, here we go. They continue across this country. The protests are in response to body cam video from the Memphis police showing the deadly police beating of Tyree Nichols. Happening today, Black Lives Matter Rhode Island Political Action Committee will have a candlelight vigil in memory of Nichols. Across the country, protests are responding to video of the 29-year-old who was beaten by Memphis police officers. NBC 10's Allegra Zaymore is live outside the State House with how the Rhode Island Police Chiefs Association now will move forward reacting to all this. Allegra, good morning. Yeah, good morning, Mario and Allison. The Black Lives Matter Political Action Committee will hold that vigil here tonight to honor the life of Tyree Nichols and offer their condolences to his family and loved ones. We do want to warn you that the video you are about to see is graphic. Authorities have released this video of what happened to Tyree Nichols on after a traffic stop on January 7th. Nichols died three days later. All five police officers were fired and faced murder charges. In a statement, the Rhode Island Police Chiefs Association said the actions of the former Memphis police officers are a breach of morals that demonstrated a lack of humanity. They went on to discuss the work they're doing to hire and develop officers that meet high standards of behavior. That statement said in part, quote, the Rhode Island Police Chiefs Association is currently in the process of completing a job task analysis, which will clearly outline the duties, responsibilities, and professional expectations for potential police officers in Rhode Island. Once completed, it will help us assess and modify our current police recruit training curriculum in accordance with those identified expectations. And that vigil will take place here at 6 o'clock. Business that they're going to have that. What, what impact is that going to have locally? What impact is that going to have? All right, so it happened to be police officers. It's, by the way, it's guys who should not be police officers. They're out of shape. They're huffing and puffing. They're uh, using pepper spray when they shouldn't. I mean, there was, there was nothing about that that was by the book. But is this, is this really about policing? Or is it more about an accepted level of violence within? And, and I'm not even just saying, you know, I'm not saying just the black community, but... You never hear anything about that. So that'll get a lot of attention. Candlelight vigil. I, I cover I cover a lot of the shootings. And the fact of the matter is they, they there's never any actions on this. Nothing. So so now all of a sudden that's why they're upset. Those guys should not have been police officers. I am, um, well, we're going to have Christina Bob on at the bottom of the hour. President Trump put out on his, I remember in Helens, Trump, I stand by my decision aside with Putin against the U.S. intelligence community. Remember in Helsinki when a third-rate reporter asked me who I trusted more, Putin of Russia or our intelligence lowlifes? Our intelligence lowlifes? My instinct at that time was we had really bad people in the form of James Comey. Now add McGonagall and other. Who would you choose, Putin or these misfits? I, I um, hmm. I don't know why he would be uh, putting that out there. I never side with Putin. The world would be a better place. When he's he no longer with us. And I draw the line on anyone that would ever support that and what's going on and taking place. But this business of Memphis, now I, I get it. Listen, the locals, they're going to just go and they're going to cover their candlelight vigil. Um, they're not going to... Um, they're not going to question, hey, how come, how come you don't say anything when, when there were, there were, you know, he was violently killed by an elite force of 
five black Memphis police officers. How come nothing is said when someone is just killed in the community? How come that is not question? Let me play. This is Good Morning America. New questions, protests, release of the body cam video of uh, Tyree Nichols in Memphis. Days here in Memphis. This is and other parts of the country completely consumed and hurt by what happened to Tyree Nichols, a young man trying to get home, calling out for his mother as police beat him. We do want to warn you this video that you're about to see is disturbing and really difficult to watch. This morning, growing fallout following the release of the disturbing video showing the traffic stop that turned deadly. A group of now former Memphis police officers seen beating and kicking 29-year-old Tyree Nichols. The five fired officers, all charged with second-degree murder, had been members of a specialized crime unit called the Scorpion Unit, formed in November of 2021 to patrol high-crime hotspots. Scorpion now permanently disbanded. This Scorpion Unit was designed to saturate under the guise of crime fighting, and what it wound up doing instead was creating a continual pattern and practice of bad behavior. Widespread outrage over Nichols' death has been growing since Friday when the city of Memphis released brutal police body camera footage and utility pole camera video from the January 7th incident. Body camera footage shows police stopping Nichols in his car and pulling him out. Nichols pleading his innocence. Officers tackling him to the ground. Nichols wrestling from their grasp and running away. Police catching up with Nichols at a second location roughly seven minutes later. Nichols heard calling out for his mother. Her home about a hundred yards from where he was beaten. Two officers then seen holding Nichols down as a third kicks him. Less than a minute later, another comes in with a baton. During the encounter, officers issuing more than 70 commands to Nichols. The officers appearing to take more than 20 minutes after the beating ends before attempting any aid. Ambulances arriving about two minutes later. The badly beaten father of one died in the hospital three days after this encounter. Now, questions are being raised about the other unidentified officers on the scene, including this officer. At the initial encounter with my son, there was a white officer that was tasing my son. And we don't understand how come his name was oh. not put out there. Well, now they got a white officer. Two Memphis fire personnel, as well as two Shelby County Sheriff's deputies, have been placed on leave pending investigations. Attorneys for two of the former officers, Desmond Mills Jr. and Emmett Martin, saying their clients intend to plead not guilty. Mills's attorney releasing a statement saying, we are confident that the questions of whether Desmond crossed the lines that others crossed and whether he committed the crimes charged will be answered with a resounding no. ABC News reached out to the attorneys representing former officers Justin Smith, Tadarius Bean, but have not heard back. An attorney for Demetrius Haley declined to comment. Throughout the weekend, peaceful protests from coast to coast calls for justice in Tyree's name. Meanwhile, Nichols' family asking that this is how he is remembered. The young man who loved photography and skateboarding. This video of Nichols doing what he loved with the sun shining around him has gone viral. And this photo distributed by his family showing him as a loving father, capturing the man described as kind and gentle. The district attorney says more charges are an option. The investigation is still ongoing, so more individuals could be charged at a later time. I spoke with one of the attorneys representing one of the former officers, Desmond Mills Jr., and he says that the level of culpability for the officers is different. He also says that his client regrets what happened. Lindsay, so more, more charges still possible. You know, I um, come back to, and I know that the police chief in Memphis is being commended. But I, I come back, those guys, the, the, there was nothing they did that was right. Nothing. I, I, they should not have been 
they, they should not be police officers. And I also don't hear, and maybe more people will start to speak out on it, but was it, and we hear about this sometimes, in order to, you know, get a more diverse police force, they don't want to really come out and say it. They politely want to say it, but they lower the standards. And were these officers essentially put under the force as a result of that they had lowered the standards? We, we don't have an answer on that. We don't. Again, it is, there was nothing about that that was done right or made sense. It was, I, I don't even know how to call it a Keystone Cop operation. Now, we've also heard more that they, two of them actually knew him and had known him growing up. And, and, and you certainly get a sense of why he, but the, the fact that they were tasering him and using the pepper spray. I, it's an unknown of what it's like within the Memphis Police Department. And now they were handling things and how they routinely would handle something like that. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show, it's brought to you by Limitless Outdoors. Remember, their slogan with Limitless Outdoors is dream, build, enjoy. Limitless Outdoors, because it truly is limitless of what your outside of your home could look like. Call them today, free quote, 401-580-1852, 401-580-1852, for Limitless Outdoors. Now, what are we talking about? Think of your particular property. Maybe they specialize in patios and walkways, steps, outdoor kitchens, landscape lighting, Retaining walls, lawn installations, excavation. Uh, They also, they can update your indoor fireplace or kitchen. Limitless outdoors. It's one thing. Now, if you want to, maybe you're listening right now and you're thinking of doing an addition on your home. You have to go through all kinds of zoning. It can be very expensive trying to add on, uh, you know, a big, maybe a, a larger family room or whatever it may be. Instead, why not call Limitless Outdoors? And maybe it's just something you want to enjoy, you know, six months of the year, nine months of the year, sometimes all year round. Especially this type of winter with no snow, patios, walkways, outdoor kitchen, or maybe a fire pit, or an outdoor fireplace. Limitless Outdoors, 401-580-1852. Free quote, and you can find them online at LimitlessOutdoorsRI.com. Well, folks, good afternoon at 124. You're listening to The John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 909.9 FM. So Friday night, there was some activity. There was activity regarding, you know, the media was all, oh, there's going to be a big protest tonight and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there were 20 people, all essentially white, And they had some kind of a vigil at Burnside Park tonight, this candlelight vigil at the State House. They're not having any impact locally. They're not having any impact locally, these groups. And no one calls them out on it. I'm not going to, they, they, I've noticed locally. You know, when I, when I would cover it, they would yell out, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor. Now it's tiring. They don't. It's it's as if the narrative that they're used to isn't even impacted. That what's the racism? You know, I have actually seen somebody say, well, the problem is those black police officers. They want to fit in. With the white officers of Memphis. That's why they were doing that. It's And now you heard this morning at GMA, oh, they're all excited. A white officer, oh, wait a minute. Looks like we got another Derek Chauvin. A white officer may have been there. 
Wall Street Journal. America owes a debt of gratitude to the family of Tyree Nichols, 29-year-old father, beaten during arrest. Memphis police died three days later. Nichols' family called for protesters to avoid violence as they demand justice in the case. For the most part, that's what happened over the weekend. Body cam video is infuriating. Be part of the evidence against the five officers charged. Second-degree murder, among other offenses. Nichols appears to be defenseless as he was repeatedly kicked and hit. The officers were dismissed from the force. District attorney brought charges. Video was publicly released. Whatever justice is meted out won't make up for the loss of a young man's life, but the cops being held accountable. Case will bring back issue of police training. How extensive such abuse is. The officers were part of a special unit called Scorpion, formed in 2021, reduced violence in high crime areas of a city notorious for the lack of public safety. The, de- the police disbanded the Scorpion unit this weekend, which is no doubt a response to public anger, but it won't serve the city if this leads to a new burst of crime. The urge to blame all police for the excesses of a few took hold after the murder of George Floyd Minneapolis. Those officers were charged, found guilty of excessive use of force and murder. But the attacks on police in general led to cuts in funding, other limits, produce a surge in crime, homicides in many big cities. Yet the fact there's inadequate training, poor recruitment for police in many parts of the country is undeniable. You know, in many ways, demanding more safety. These are my words, not Wall Street Journal. The defund the police, the abolish police. Look at the effect they're having by having less qualified people that want to be police officers, you increase the need and then you start to take people that are subpar, below average. You know, I was thinking of many years ago, it's kind of like the downside of a nightclub. When it opens, it's really popular. Then years later, you can't believe you can get in there. And then they kind of let anybody in. Because it's not as popular as it was, so there's less demand. The answer must come from local state officials. Policing is, is right. It's a local issue. Federal government can help with funding. Dick Durbin, a leading Senate Democrat, called on Senator Cory Booker, Tim Scott, to resume the discussion of a federal policing bill. No harm in that, but it's worth recalling what the effort failed in 2021. Democrats pulled the plug. After Scott refused to go along the demands to impose national policing standards without funding for local departments to implement them. Democrats insisted on data collection. Further narrative widespread racial discrimination in policing. Both parties agreed to mandate department level report of police conduct throughout the country. But Democrats insisted the misconduct data include the compliance race In Memphis, Nichols and the officers charge are black. We will never know if the officers would have acted differently if it had been a white man. But it's hard to impose systematic race template on those facts. The solution is to recruit and train more good police, not condemn all police. And that I agree with. Well, folks, right now, let's see if we can get her on the line. She has written a new book. And the book has to do stealing your vote, Christina Bob, with an introduction by of Steve Bannon. So let's see if we can locate her. She is, in fact, the attorney that um, was involved with the raid, Christina Bob, and she has this new. Folks, joining us on the line right now on the John DePietro Show on AM 1380, 99.9 FM, the author of Stealing Your Vote, we want to welcome to the John DePietro Show, it's Christina Bob. Good afternoon on this Monday, Christina. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for having me. Congratulations on your book. Take us inside your book about what happened in 2020 and what is some of the things that people should be concerned about for 2024. Well, so I just take the readers through my experience. I was working as an investigative reporter at the time with One America News. I was reporting from the White House on election night and was shocked, probably much the way most of your listeners were, 
when they called Arizona for Joe Biden. And I thought, there's no way. Like, how, how they just called Florida like 15 minutes earlier. There's no way they're ready for Arizona. And so that was the first time I kind of thought, oh, man, maybe we're maybe we really are going to have a problem with this election. And, you know, of course, then they stopped counting and then it took them several days to find additional ballots and, you know, that whole situation. Uh, so I just started investigating and I, I was on the ground in Arizona for months and months with the Arizona audit. I was on the ground in Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania. And I spoke with as many elected officials in those states as I could. I spoke with county clerks, uh, city workers, uh, poll watchers, volunteers, observers, you know, everybody that I could who actually witnessed what took place. And I tried to kind of take the reader through what what happened and more so not more so than just what happened on election night, because we stole it. Right. Like, you don't need me to tell you that it was stolen. Certainly, I give the details and some of the statistics in each of the states about, you know, the number of problem ballots and all of that stuff. But more importantly, was the cover up. And the way I like to summarize the book is that Democrats stole the election and Republicans covered it up. And the book focuses on all of the things that we can all see that were problems, right? The voter rolls, the ballot stuffing, ballot trafficking, uh, no voter ID, were there illegal people voting? All all of those questions and concerns that we have that we think should be easy fixes. Uh, Why haven't they been fixed? Why weren't they fixed between 2020 and 2022? And what do we need to do to put pressure on our leaders to actually make the right changes? And uh, I, I kind of just walk everybody through where the cover-up was, what you could do in your area to get involved. And I give examples of people who have done some really great work in their local areas. And I hope that the readers want to emulate some of that. Folks, again, we're speaking with Christina Bob. The book is Stealing Your Vote. Christina, you also uh, go out, go after, I should say, some of the Republicans in your book. If you wouldn't I mind do. just touching on that a little bit. Yeah, I do. I think... Republicans were a bigger problem than Democrats. Yes, Democrats cheated, but the only reason they were able to cheat was because they had enough cowardly Republicans who were refusing to stand up and protect our elections and call out the obvious criminal activity. And so um, in all of these states, Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia, there were Republicans in elected positions that should have been the sentinels that say, oh, no, that's a problem. We need to change it. And they refused to do it. And so, for example, in Pennsylvania, Doug Mastriano, Senator Mastriano there, was trying very hard to create an Arizona-style audit in Pennsylvania. He wanted to audit Pennsylvania as well. And he had so much opposition from Republicans in that state, particularly Jake Corman, the president of the Senate there. And um, I go through the detailed conversations that I had with Doug Mastriano as well as what he relayed to me about his conversations with Jake Corman and the other Republicans in the Senate. But the really frustrating reality, particularly about Pennsylvania, as well as most of these other states, is that Republicans, the Republicans that wanted transparency and wanted to correct the election never even got the chance to fight Democrats on the issue because they couldn't get past the Republicans. And that part, that was the most infuriating thing for me to realize that Republicans were in our way, not Democrats. Folks, again, we're speaking with Christina Bob, the book Stealing Your Vote. Christina, I'm curious because you also get into this in your book of some of the things that you believe need to be changed before the 2024 election. Yeah, well, one thing that I'd love to see changed is um, these massive county, uh, these counting facilities where they're all centralized. They centralize the counting in areas like Philadelphia, uh, Milwaukee, Madison, you know, they've got centralized counts rather than counting the ballots at the precincts, which is what used to happen or, or a decentralized form of counting. And the reason why I think that's really important, and that's something that your listeners can get involved in and uh, organize and come up with a way in your county to make sure that your count is decentralized. Um, the reason why that's a problem is because it's much easier to cheat when everything is centralized in one area. You only need one or two people involved in the process. If everything is decentralized and it's spread out all over the state, then you need people all over the state who are willing to cheat. And the reality reality is I don't think most people wanted to cheat. I think they were trying to do the right thing and do, uh, you know, their civic duty by volunteering 
And I don't think they realized that by being a part of a centralized counting facility that actually facilitates more election tampering. Um, of course, mail-in ballots is a huge problem. Some states, I think, will be better than others at getting rid of them. Uh, if you're in a state where you have the possibility of getting rid of mail-in ballots, work with your your neighbor, your friends and your family and your neighbors to petition to get rid of mail-in ballots. Make sure that you don't have this massive excess of ballots that can then just be filled out by anybody who wants to add ballots to the tally. Uh, I mean, there's a, num- there's a myriad of things, and I, I go through the, the various uh, scenarios in the book. Christina, I can tell you in our part of the, the country, the, the ballot harvesting is, is a huge problem where, uh, depending yeah. on the states, you know, Massachusetts, Connecticut, uh, someone can handle more than 10 ballots. But Rhode Island's actually unlimited where you have people that can drop off like 1,000 ballots. The, the, the fact, our, our system was never designed to have where people can go out and literally collect thousands of ballots, <laughs> right? Millions, yeah, across yeah. the country. Yeah, yeah, you're right. What was it like yeah, in Arizona? Go ahead. What was it like in Arizona? Because that's that's really interesting. And I I was shocked that Carrie Lake did not win that election. Right. She is uh, one of a kind. So you were right there on the ground in Arizona, Christina. Yeah. I was. Well, I do think Carrie Lake won that election. I think that election mm. was stolen as well. And I think she had more than enough evidence to prove her case. I think the courts are just too timid to change the status quo. I mean, when you have elected officials who are who are go along to get along and just do whatever needs to be done so that, uh, you know, they can go home and ignore <laughs> ignore the government, um, that, that's the kind of judges you end up with and you have a problem on your hands. But she had more than enough information. She had whistleblowers. Her attorneys were able to catch the uh, election director from Maricopa County, uh, in a lie. He perjured himself on the stand and was forced to acknowledge it. And the court still didn't have a problem with that. I mean, Mm. it's really just kind of astounding to me that there can be so much evidence presented and the courts have just been unwilling to make an honest ruling. Uh, Your introduction to your book was done by Steve Bannon. Uh, I mean, that is an unbelievable honor. What what can you, how did you approach him and can you share with us that conversation? Sure. Oh, I was so, so grateful. I, I mean, of course, Steve Bannon has been uh, one of the loudest voices, you know, that I, that I personally know anyway um, on this. And uh, my, my publisher actually approached him before I did. And I, I do know Steve. I got to know him in my post-2020 work. Um, but the, the publisher actually asked if he would be willing to do it. And then once they said that he was, I was just so thrilled and I called him and was so grateful. So um, it, it was actually the publisher, not me. But since then, you know, I, I've just been so ecstatic that he was willing to lend his voice to try to further this message. Folks, again, it's author Christina Bob. Before we let it go, now, Christina, this whole business, uh, you were right in the eye of the storm. But since then, this business with the documents, well, what is your reaction to yeah. President Biden with the Corvette, now Mike Pence? Yeah. Uh, what is Christina Bob's reaction to that? My reaction, so my reaction, when, the, I think it was the first day after I heard about Biden's documents, I went to a meeting, uh, one of our staff meetings, and I walked in, a friend of mine was sitting there, and I go, hey, do you see the, the Biden documents? And uh, No, I'm sorry, I didn't even say Biden documents. I go, hey, do you see the news? But that's what I was referring to. He knew exactly what I was referring to without even saying it. And he just looked at me and he smiled. He goes, all I can say is God loves Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> because it just shows the hypocrisy, like blatant, unabashed hypocrisy of the way they're applying the law to conservatives versus the way they apply the law to Democrats. So um, I think what they were trying to do, of course, was criminalize behavior that's not actually criminal. There was nothing criminal about Donald Trump having these documents. It's so common, in fact, that everybody in office has them. The only person who is compromised with these is Joe Biden, because we know what's on Hunter Biden's laptop, and we know that he's sells information and uh, has used classified information to negotiate agreements for himself, where Joe Biden gets 10%, you know, the 10% kickback. So 
the only person that has criminal exposure, as far as I can see, is Joe Biden. He was not covered by the Presidential Records Act. He didn't have the ability to declassify. And he's compromised. His son is compromised. His son is paying $50,000 a month to rent this house that didn't warrant $50,000 a month. Was he paying for access to the documents? We know he was using classified information to negotiate with foreign powers. So... Joe Biden should be the one that's in trouble. I don't think Mike Pence has any liability either. I mean, what what was Mike? Mike Pence didn't do anything wrong. So um, I think Joe Biden's the only one with any criminal liability. Of course, that's not the way the Department of Justice is going to frame it. We'll see what kind of tap dance show they want to put on here. But I don't think I don't think Donald Trump has any any liability. Yeah, I also I, I think it's also interesting, and someone brought it up of of what's even considered classified. And the example they use, let's just say, like, and you you were really in the thick of this, but let's just say someone like Mike Pence. So the vice president, when he's vice president, he's going to travel to you know pick a state. He's going to travel to Michigan, and now his agenda that that day where he's going to go, the logistics of it. I mean that that is considered classified information, but after the trip. Uh, then if if something like that was found, I mean, is that I, I, I don't know. I mean, that it sounds like the whole system of how we treat and what is considered classified documents needs to be revisited because, you know, it sounds that I, I could see maybe the Secret Service needs to say maybe they there's certain intel that they don't want. But it sounds like a lot of times after the fact that that's not something yeah. that necessarily is no, you're, classified. You're exactly right. And I think that's also largely why they're not disclosing what they found. I mean, if there was something, if Donald Trump were negotiating nuclear secrets with Russia, right, they could say, hey, we discovered that Donald Trump is negotiating nuclear secrets secrets with Russia. They could say that without disclosing any classified information, but they're not because there was nothing of value in there. There was mm. nothing of any importance that, that I, I, you know, I, I think you're exactly right. And I think that's why they're hiding behind this national security, you know, shield. They don't want to tell us because if they told us, everyone would be like, are you kidding me? You're putting our country through hell over nothing. But We'll, we'll see what they do. All right, just two more quick questions. And again, folks, Chris, uh, Christina Bob, congratulations. Unbelievable new book, Stealing Your Vote, The Inside Story of the 2020 Election, What It Means for 2024. What do you make of the uh, White House press secretary and how she's handling this uh, situation with the Biden documents? Everything she says is a lie. I don't know why anybody <laughs> believes a word that comes out of her mouth at this point. Does anybody believe a word that comes out of her mouth at this yeah. point? And doing bad things. It's another to go to work and do it openly and publicly with the intent to deceive the entire country, arguably the entire world. So I, she's just she's lying. And I don't know why anybody would listen to a word she says. Yeah, I think if anything, though, it's just like repeating talking points. Like they might as well just have like a Siri up there that no matter what you ask, <laughs> this is email. yeah, that's the answer that just email. comes yeah. out. It's just like kind of babbling. And also, Christina, how's the reaction been to the vote? How's the you know the book tour? I mean, how's the um, how, how's it been? How's how is it being an author now? It's it's been great, and thank you so much for for asking that. I'm really grateful for everyone's support and for their encouragement. And the the most uh, the but the best compliment that I have received from a number of people at this point is that the book was easy to read. That was my number one priority because sometimes books, you know, on elections or yes. on topics like this can be hard to read. And so I tried very hard to make it like a very easy flowing narrative format. And I got compliments on that. So that really meant a lot to me. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah, I found that. I want people to know that. A friend of mine asked me, and I said, you know what it is? It's the type of thing you can put it down, and then I pick it up and just start reading a random section. And it's interesting, and it all makes sense, and it's very easy to follow. Folks, again, the book, Stealing Your Vote. Christina Bob, Christina, it's great to talk to you. Congratulations on the book, and hopefully we'll talk to you again. Thank you for spending some time on The John DePietro Show. Yes, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. All right, folks, there it is. Christina Bob right here on the John DePietro Show 145. I think we consider that an exclusive. That is definitely an exclusive. She was really in the eye of the storm with uh, with what happened regarding the, the Trump uh, with Mar-a-Lago and the raid. And her life um, really has been turned upside down. She was... Given a very difficult time in the media and and was put 
into a difficult situation during the course of the raid and with what happened with um, with the media. Folks, this portion of the, the John DePedro show, 146, uh, on this Monday, and it's brought to you by Matthews Oil Company. Call them today, 24 Emergency Service, 401 942 7500. They'll fill up your tank. Matthews Oil Company, 401-942-7500. They will keep you warm, and it's going to get very cold this Friday and Saturday. At the end of this week, we're going to have temperatures in the single digits. Call Matthews Oil Company. Fill up that tank, 401-942-7500. Premier dealer, Rhode Island, delivering the highest quality heating fuels. It's Matthews Oil Company. For over four generations, they'll keep you comfortable and safe. And remember, they have 24-hour emergency service, Matthews Oil Company, 401-942-7500. I want to, folks, and again, good afternoon. We will be doing Facebook Live later. It's 147 on this Monday, January 30th, 6th Memphis officer relieved of duty in Nichols' arrest. I, I don't understand how all these individuals were operating. But what you should know about the Memphis thing is there is accountability, right? There is accountability. It's not being swept under the rug. They're wearing body cams. There were so many things wrong with that. There was no one in charge fully. You know, I spoke with a member of law enforcement and said there was no one that said, hey, everybody calm down. Everybody calm down. I want to point to when you had the problem last summer in Providence with those kids that they were riding around and they were shooting at people with a BB gun and so forth. And and there was you saw people dragging them off when a couple of officers, you know, lost their cool. This was six hours. They led them around. But there was no one in essence doing that. But this situation with the Providence Public School. An email sent Mount Pleasant High School staff last week confirmed the school's vice principal sent an email soliciting money to support a student who came to the country illegally. Now, there's several aspects of this. Let me just also, this Channel 12 story. We have a student who came to America with a coyote. Now, these are, as I said, it's, it's like a tour guide. You pay them and they guarantee they'll get you into America. For those of you that have heard, when I broadcast from our nation's capital in September every year at this fear conference, you hear a lot about these coyotes. It's a, it is a cottage industry. It's big business. They charge the money and, and they guarantee you go with them and they will get you over the border. So the group gives you a time frame to make a payment of $5,000. Who brings them into the states? So the email wanted to say the student need urgent support to raise another two thousand. So he's going to come up with two thousand by February first, and the donations will be collected the next morning. So the coyote is someone's paid to illegally smuggle people across the border, and this goes on all the time. And with the Biden administration, everything they they don't certainly put them out of business. So the school's principal immediately took steps to have a retraction issued. The district would not comment further on it other than, and Justin, you know, Katz, who we spoke to in the first hour, mentions how no one really condemns what happened. Uh, the principal just said that that's not the right forum for it. So as far as, you know, people were aghast of like, why is this happening? Why is this allowed to be going on? Well, it, a lot of it has to do with how many illegals are in the Providence schools, how they're allowed to be in the Providence schools. You also, you notice that Governor McKee has not talked about it, um, that Steffi, Stephanie Harvey, who's the vice principal, is a complete activist Who's in, involved with that? It's nothing about reading and writing. And the school kind of has, you know, taken off. But the principal, all the principal said was this isn't the right forum for it. Now, the teachers union, 
I'm seeing our friend Dan Stein of Fear. He was um, on that. Uh, he's been out talking about it. I know, obviously, know Dan, but the um, and Nicole Solis is really the one that's been leading the charge on this. What is really disingenuous is the principal Tiffany Delaney said, I was informed there's an email seeking financial support for one of our students. I appreciate the faculty staff contributing, but it's the nature of the request is not appropriate. Well, talk about understatement of of the decade. I mean, of course it is. Of course it is. But, and Dan Stein weighing in on this. But what this is, if anything, it, you know, it's kind of... um, it's the norm in Providence. No one talks about, you know, what do you think is going to happen with Governor McKee and how he is giving out licenses? What about the fact that Alorza runs a sanctuary city? Now, on DePetro.com, I have written more than anyone about the number of illegals that are in Providence. It's right now, by their own estimations, it's 35 to 40 percent of the population of Providence are illegals. And this business of the coyotes, that is, you pay them to help you get over the border. And then it's all organized and regulated. So the nature of this, as far as the cartels, if you, what, what is also missing here is what happens if you don't pay. And I have talked about the violence in Providence. And I've talked about the different gang members that come in. And that Governor McKee and Sabina Matos and Alorza, they invite cartel violence to come into Rhode Island. Now, there are also illegals in certain sections of our, of our state. We know that, right? Winsocket, Central Falls, Pawtucket. Providence, do you think that that kid isn't the only kid that is paying them to come over and get in here? But what I also want to point out about the teachers union, and a lot is being made of that. Let's just be really clear about something. If if in any way, if that was a teacher that had done that, the union would be defending the teacher, not throwing the person under the bus. The only reason why the union, and you know what's really pathetic, is this organization. Let me just find them. Parents Defending Education. Assistant Principal of Mount Pleasant High School. And that, they put out a big story about it. Now, they don't, um, hello team, see the message, blah, blah, blah. Now, they don't come out. And put, I don't see a name on the story of who wrote this story with the parents defending education. But if you go to a part on the website, parents defending education, and then you go into about and like who they are. So I don't recognize a lot of names. Carolyn Moore, Marissa Fountain. Then there we go. Erica Sanzi. Erica Sanzi of Cumberland. There we go. So Erica Sanzi is part of Parents Defending Education. And in the story that they wrote, they talk about, oh, isn't this wonderful? Mary Beth Calabro has spoken out about it and had, you know what is is so beyond the pale? How does a group they call themselves Parents Defending Education. <laughs> it's comical. How are they mentioning Mary Beth Calabro? No one, Mary Beth Calabro reports to Randy Weingarten. No one has been more, done more to destroy public education than the teachers union in the state. And that's the same union that represents Providence, Pawtucket, Warwick, Winsocket. Parents defending education. That's not parents defending education. That's parents enabling the union. If that had been people, what, demanding that the, demanding that what, the assistant principal be fired? 
there's, there's, no, there's no reading and writing and arithmetic going on with this stuff. None of that. No. They're not teaching the kids anything. If anything, they, this is, it's all activism. And that the woman who's the principal there, she's not, she shouldn't be there. Of course she shouldn't be there. But I, I have to laugh. When you have parents defending educational, this is wrong. And, and applauding Mary Beth Calabro and the teachers union. No one has done more to destroy the public education system than, than the than the teachers union and parents defending education are applauding and including the head of the teachers union for what she condemns that try to fight you can't fire you can't fire a public school teacher it doesn't matter what they do you have teachers in the system not just providence elsewhere yeah they're in school, September, October, boom, then they go out on leave. You can't fire them. You can't fire them. No matter what. You can't, you, you've had, it's impossible. And the, the person that has spoken out the most, that had the most guts to speak out about it, was actually Mayor Alorza and also our friend Nicole Salas. But not the teachers union. Not in any way. That is a joke. So, but the fact that what what stands out to me, and again, at 157, I just want to be really clear and circle that no one is talking about is what happens if he doesn't pay? What What happens if he doesn't pay? Not everyone's paying. I'm out there. I cover when someone shoots up a house. That's, what's that all about? Is that sending a message? How many other people, how many other illegals are in our area that enter the state but owe a debt to these, quote, coyotes? How many of them are there? I would, uh, he can't be the only one. He's the only one that's not paying. See, Governor McKee and Lieutenant Governor Matos, and it really was Alorza. They're so brazen. That we're a sanctuary city and a sanctuary state. The amount of illegals, you go to Mount Pleasant, Mount Pleasant is filled with illegals. The Providence schools are filled with illegals. Now, that that union head that works for Weingarten, Calabro, she didn't she didn't condemn that they're illegals. She just condemned the assistant principal, who's not a member of the union, for sending out the email. Did she say, you know, we shouldn't have these illegals in the schools? Do you know what would happen to the Providence schools if they got rid of all the illegal students? <laughs> you wouldn't need all these Providence schools. All right, folks, at 159, this portion of the John DePietro Show is brought by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Whether it's lunch, dinner, or drinks in the lounge, they're waiting for you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery. I will be doing Facebook Live later. Again, the situation in Memphis, I think they, if they really want to talk about solutions, they got to talk about who's involved in the amount of violence that is allowed in certain communities. Listen, enjoy this Monday. Back on the radio tomorrow at 11. WNRI, Winsocket.